Let's turn to Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2. Galatians, chapter 2. Text this afternoon is verse 20. And we'll read the chapter in its entirety. In chapter 1, uh, Paul has spoken about his conversion because the Lord Jesus met him on the way to Damascus and that he also then did his work, but not dependent on the other apostles. And then chapter 2, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and said before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the, um, to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before a certain man came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. 
For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Thus far the reading from God's word. Sermon this afternoon deals with Galatians 2 verse 20. We'll read those words once more. In this verse, uh, Paul describes his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I ask your attention for the prepositions that he uses in this verse to describe that relationship. Verse 20 of chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is my privilege to proclaim to you this afternoon God's word, as we find it in our text and under this theme, the riches of belonging to Christ. The riches of belonging to Christ. What does it mean to you? that you belong to Jesus Christ. The theme is the riches of belonging to Jesus Christ, so that it implies that that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is wonderful, is important. So that's why the question to you, what does it mean to you? If someone asks you, you're a Christian. So what does it mean to you? Because belonging to Christ or Christian, that's the same. What does it mean to you to be a Christian? How would you answer what would you say? Or to use the words of our text, what does it mean to you to live by faith in the Son of God? That's what Paul says here. I live by faith in the Son of God. And he explains what that means to him. And we want to consider the words that he uses to describe that relationship Now, as we do that, we need to keep in mind, of course, why Paul is saying this. It's quite personal in our text. I, my relationship. What is he, why is he doing this? Now, Paul, in this letter to the Galatians, is addressing the churches in Galatia because these churches were faced with teachers who brought a message that they said was the gospel... But Paul says in chapter 1, it is no gospel at all. And what was the message they were bringing? 
They said, well, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. But that's not enough. You also have to keep the Old Testament laws. You have to be circumcised. To be a real Christian, a true Christian, you have to do what was required in the Old Testament besides believing in Jesus Christ. And Paul said that is no gospel at all. As soon as you add something to Jesus Christ, and he's no longer the complete mediator, the complete savior, you lose your salvation. And that's why he's very strong in his opening words in chapter 1. And he says, the gospel that you have to believe in is the gospel that I brought to you. And then he refers to what happened to him when he was on the way to Damascus in order to persecute the Christians. And the Lord Jesus stopped him in his tracks and said, Paul, I need you. You're going to be my missionary. And and Paul said, that is how I came to understand the importance of Jesus Christ. Oh, he knew Jesus Christ before that conversion. He had studied up on it. That's why he was so against it. He saw the gospel of Jesus Christ as a, as a threat to what he had been taught as a Pharisee. And so the Lord stopped him, and Paul came to understand the gospel. And he said, that is the gospel that you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. I received the gospel directly from Jesus Christ, and I proclaimed it to you, and that's what you have to hold on to. You find about this, of course, in Acts. You also find about this in chapter 1. Now, another event that also colors the, the words in our text is what we read about in chapter 2. That initially the apostles were indeed in agreement about the fact that the Gentiles are true Christians even though they may not keep all the Old Testament laws, but by faith in Jesus Christ, they are true Christians, true believers. But then when Peter comes to Antioch, Paul had to oppose him in public. And that must have been quite something for Paul to oppose Peter in public. Because Peter was starting to give in to these people who said, well, you have to do more than just believing in Jesus Christ. And Paul opposed him and said, you cannot do that, Peter. If you go that way, then in the end, Christ died for no purpose. That's the end of chapter 2. So those two events, Paul's own conversion and the opposition to Peter, colors what we then also have in our text Because you could ask Paul, why are you so passionate against Peter's actions? What's the issue for you? And and Paul would say, well, because of who I am in Jesus Christ and what I have in Jesus Christ. Well, if you then would ask Paul, well, tell me more about this. Who is Jesus Christ in your life? And that's a question we all have to think about. Who is Jesus Christ in your life? And Paul says, well, I can tell you that. And that is our text. And he uses 
several prepositions to explain and to describe that relationship. Let me point them out to you. The very first one is in the beginning of verse 20, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. That's the first one. And then he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I with Christ, Christ in me. And then he says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ, I with Christ, Christ in me, Christ gave himself for me. And those expressions describe what it meant to Paul that he belongs to Jesus Christ. So we want to think about that this afternoon and listen to what God's Word teaches about that. And we're going to look at those three statements and we'll do the order a little bit differently than they are in our text. We begin with the last one, that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Then we'll go to the first one, that I have been crucified with Christ. And then we go to the middle one, Christ now lives in me. So so Paul is speaking about his life as a believer. You see that in the middle of verse 20. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life I now live in the flesh. That is his, his life as he is speaking, as he's writing or dictating. He says, I live my life by faith in the Son of God. And, and that word now kind of highlights already that, that tremendous event that happened in Paul's life. Once upon a time, he was all set on doing good works. And he says, now it is by faith. That means, now I believe in Jesus Christ. I embrace him and all his benefits. I know I cannot do it. I know he has done it. And I can only share in all his work by believing in him. If Christ had not come into my life, I would still be in my works. So now I live by faith. Now what does that mean? Well, says Paul, I know now That Christ loved me. Christ loved me. Very simple words. Very deep words. He loved me. That's why he stopped me on the way to Damascus. And he changed me. Because he loved me. He And Paul says he is the son of God, in a way emphasizing his glory, his power. He, the son of God, perfect in majesty, sharing in the glory of the Father. He is the one who loved me. And he loved me. Paul, a persecutor of the church. One who thought he could do everything by himself. One who was so set on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. He loved me. And brothers and sisters, to live in faith in Jesus Christ, to belong to Jesus Christ, is exactly that. To be able to say, 
he loved me. And what is that love? Well, Paul explains it. He gave himself for me. So the love that he has shows in giving himself for me. And that word giving is like giving himself over, willing to be sacrificed. It's also used in the Gospels when Judas hands over Jesus Christ to the Sanhedrin. And when the Sanhedrin hands over Jesus Christ to Pontius Pilate. So it's like when a believer in the Old Testament brought a sa- an, element, an, an animal to the temple and, and handed it over. That's happening in Jesus Christ. And it was not just done by the Jews. He himself did it. He gave himself. So as Christ was going to the cross, he loved me. That's why he did it. That's why he was willing to do it. And what makes it so amazing and so comforting is, brothers and sisters, the fact that when it happened, when Christ went to the cross, Paul was not a believer. So Paul doesn't say, I know he loves me because I did so much for him. I earned it. I was still a persecutor. I was the most unlikely candidate to be a missionary. I had no interest. On the contrary, I was totally dead set against it. And what does he do? He stops me and he says, Paul, I loved you. And I gave myself over for you. It changed. Now you live with me. You belong to me. I began with asking the question, what does it mean to you to be a Christian? And I said it's an important question. Now when you ask that question, I think we all have the inclination to begin with looking at ourselves. And that when you want to describe what it means that you belong to Jesus Christ and you make statements about, well, it's, it's wonderful because I feel so good about it. To know that I'm his. Or you may say, well, that relationship is not the way it should be because I could do so much better. Uh, I could do so much more. And those are all important elements. But notice that when Paul describes his relationship with Jesus Christ, he doesn't start with himself. He could not because he was a persecutor. He starts from what God did in Christ for him. Not dependent on what Paul did, but on the sovereign, undeserved grace and mercy of God. He loved me. And gave himself for me. I know that now, says Paul. Now that I have been changed, I I look at that. And I know that the certainty of my relationship lies in his love for me. Not in my love for him. You see, when you start with yourself, when you describe your relationship with Christ, 
then you easily become uncertain. Because how do you know it is good? And maybe one moment you think it's good, the next moment you think, well, I could have done a whole lot better. And that's why it is so helpful and so comforting to be reminded here that begin with Jesus Christ. What God does in him, he loved you. Not because of anything you've done, but because of his sovereign good pleasure. Those are his covenant promises. And that is what baptism signs and seals the love of God. This little girl does not know God yet, doesn't know Jesus Christ yet. The Christ says to her, and the Father says to her, I loved you. And that's why Christ gave himself. So that's the first preposition, for. The second preposition, not only did he give himself for us, I also was crucified with him. Those are the opening words of verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, we read in the Gospels, indeed, that Christ was crucified. That he was put on the cross. So that is true. That there's the apostolic witness that we have in the scriptures that Jesus Christ died on the cross. But now, in our text... We learn something very important about that crucifixion, about that death. And that is that I was crucified when he was crucified. So Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. So when it happened to him, really, it happened to me. How can Paul say that? Because Christ is our mediator, our perfect mediator. And remember how all along in the process as he came to the crucifixion, those who judged him and tried him had to say, there's no guilt in this man. He's innocent. That's important. Because he was innocently condemned to death. And that means he took our place. That's the amazing truth of the gospel. That Christ, when he went to the cross, he did it willingly. That when he was crucified, I was crucified with him. So the wrath of God that was poured out on him because of our sins, he took. The punishment that we deserve, he took. And that means it is gone. When Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, that means the wrath of God has been paid for. Notice that he speaks in the perfect tense. I have been crucified. It's a done deal. He doesn't say, I have to do it still, and maybe one day it will happen. No, he says, I have been crucified. When Christ was crucified, Paul was crucified. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, that is what comes into your life. He did it. And and it's not that I had to crucify myself, says Paul. No, he says, I have been crucified. 
He took me along. It didn't happen by me. It happened to me. When Christ did it. I have been crucified. Paul says, now that I belong to Jesus Christ, by faith, I know I have been crucified. No, he wasn't there. But that's what faith does. You share in Christ and all his benefits. And God looks at you as if you had done it. As if you had paid for it all. That excludes our initiative. Peter, that's what you're taking away when you want to add something to Jesus Christ. You take away the certainty, the reality that your sins are paid for. I have been crucified. That's indeed what you may say. By faith. Because when you were baptized, what did the Son say to you? God the Son says, I take you along in my death and my resurrection. So you can say, yes, not only did he love me, not only did he give himself for me, I was crucified with him. And now I'm righteous before God. Not because of anything I've done, but only out of grace. Thirdly, third preposition. Paul says, the life I now live as I live by faith, it is the life that Christ lives in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives in me. It's an amazing reality. I'm no longer living myself. Christ now lives in me. He dwells in me. He makes his home in my life. He knows everything that happens in my life. Christ lives in me, says Paul. Now Paul, again, had experienced that in a very dramatic way. If you think of Paul before his conversion, Paul thought he was in charge of his own life. He was captain on his own boat. And he kept his ship clean by keeping the law. And it controlled him. That was his passion. That's why he went to Damascus with letters to persecute. He wanted to eradicate that Christian sect. That was his life. And then Christ stops him. And Christ says, Paul, I come on board. Not to be a passenger on your boat. Not even to be one who gives advice. I come on board and I take charge of you. And since you cannot have two captains on one boat, Paul has to go and Christ comes. I no longer live. That means there's no longer the one I used to be controlling my own life. I now live governed <coughs> by Jesus Christ. And that's the joy of Paul when Christ stopped me, he said. That is what happened. And now everything has changed in my life. Every part of my life. 
It's not under his direction and his control. Lord, take my eyes and let them be dedicated to you. Lord, take my hands. They're now yours. My heart governed by you. Again, Peter, that's what you stand to lose when you want to add something to the work of Jesus Christ. The amazing reality of now that you belong to him, it is Christ in you. And what Paul is saying here, brothers and sisters, is what the Lord Jesus himself had said when he was on earth. Think of what he speaks about in John 14, John 15. If anyone loves me, keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 23. And John 15, the well-known image of the vine and the branches. You abide in me and I will abide in you. So Christ says, I will come into your life. And how does he do that? Through his Holy Spirit and by his word. And again, that is what he signs and seals to us in baptism. The Holy Spirit, that he will dwell in us. Make us his home. Knows every room in our lives. And determines all we do so that we are living members of Jesus Christ. That is not dependent on my activity, it is a gift of grace. So what does it mean to belong to Jesus Christ? How would you answer? Paul knows. He's very passionate about it. He knows what happened to himself. He says, my relation with Christ, he loved me. And that's why he gave himself for me. And I, I died with him. And now he lives in me. The thinking that you have to add something to the work of Jesus Christ. that happened in the time of Paul. It's not something that was happening only then. Throughout the history of a church... Time and again, God's people had to deal with that. The temptation to add something to the work of Jesus Christ. An activist, legalist approach. It makes overworked people. Because you never know whether you've done enough. You always do more and more and more. That takes your comfort away. The gospel is very simple. God says, here, this is yours, in Christ. So what is your relationship with Christ? As I said earlier, begin. You're thinking, in all that you do, with Christ. He is now captain on your ship. He lives in you because you have been crucified with him. For he gave himself for you. That is the riches of belonging to Jesus Christ. Now how do I know that? How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us. So the well-known song expresses a deep truth. Jesus loves me. 
this I know. Why? Because I've done so well? No. Because the Bible tells me so. And added to the Bible, the Lord says, if you still wonder about it and think about it, I'll sign and seal it to you in your baptism. So brothers and sisters, when you, when you struggle with what it means to be a Christian, go to your baptism. Go to the promises. Go to what he has given you and know that his covenant love stands firm because it is not dependent on us, but on him, our God and Father. Amen. Let's now sing from hymn 28, distances 5, 6, and 7. <clears throat>